Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome, everyone, and those of you watching online. For those of you who are here for the very first time, um, we do this Bible confession, and I do it every week, and there are times I think probably need to explain this. Um, our lives so often follow the words that we speak. Um, things follow the words we speak. The whole world was created because God spoke. And I want us to, to today to grasp the importance of words. <laughs> Very, very critical that we realize we're going to have what we say. Uh, being happy, being joyful is a choice. Uh, it's someone that says today is a good day. This is the day the Lord's made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Those words will literally, if you say them, begin to change the trajectory of your life. And uh, oftentimes we, we wait on circumstances. It's the guessing game. We wait to see what might happen today, and then based on what happens, uh, we determine whether we're happy or not. But the reality is what happens around us is not greater than what's happening in us. So if we create uh, the Word of God, we give life to the Word of God by the words that we speak, then we get to drive the day instead of the day driving us. So on Sunday, we do the Bible confession because we want to open our hearts to what God has to say. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And uh, if you've not done this before, just hold your Bible up, your hand up, your iPhone up, and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today's going to be an interesting day. I have three sermons, and I can only preach one. And I have wrestled all morning with which one to preach. So, guys, good luck on the prompter back there. It's probably not going to work well. Um, as I was preparing to come to the close of 2018, which to me is very, very important, because right now we are evaluating this year individually if you own a business you're looking at how the year went you're already looking at your P&Ls and you're going wow it was a great year it wasn't a great year and you begin to look at those things and and begin to evaluate uh, what it was that caused the year to be good what it was that maybe caused it to not work so well and the fact is it, it, it to some degree is a guessing game until we submit everything to God. That God, we have to look at God and say, God, what, what is it that we did right? And uh, what is it that we did wrong? And the reason we ask that, those questions, one is if we did something that we feel is detrimental to our growth personally, as a family, as a church, as a business, then we want to change that. So these last two months of, of 2018 are very, very important, I believe, to how we're going to begin 2019. And so the series title this month kind of is just a 
just a sake, for the sake of getting us to think, because it, I, the series title is Guess What? And I don't know how many of you have ever, ever had anybody come up to you and say, Hey, guess what? They don't tell you if it's a person, place, or thing. It's just, okay, I don't know. I mean, what do you say in response to guess what? Typically, you say, well, why don't you tell me? That way, I don't want to keep guessing. Because some of you like it, and you'll guess 30 things before you get frustrated. But you never guess the right thing because it's so wide open. The trouble with this is that many times in our lives, we play that guessing game with God. And we start guessing as to why our life turned out the way it did or why it's where it's at. And, uh, and rather than uh, us guessing, we need to start asking questions instead of trying to answer questions that have been asked. And asking God or seeking God and finding out the will of God for our lives. The fact is that if you grew up in an American church, and I'm not sure about internationally, I've been to international churches, but I can only speak for American churches that historically uh, have left us wondering about a lot of things. <laughs> what does it take to go to heaven? If you were to encounter someone today on the street and you were having a conversation with them about God, how would that conversation go? Would you have enough information to tell them how to get to heaven? Or would you just begin to tell them everything's going to be all right? Because oftentimes when we meet people, they're living a life of just guessing. You know, I, I, I've asked people before, well, do, do, you, are you, do you know whether or not you're going to heaven? And, and they go, well, well, I'm not sure. So I said, well, you know, tell me a little bit about your life. And they said, well, you know, I've, I've been good. And, and I've, I've gone to church as much as I can. And, and they begin to respond with what they've done. What it tells me is they really don't know what God's done. <laughs> they're guessing. They're hoping. They're rolling the dice, if you will. They're trying to, to figure this thing out. And the reality is they don't have enough information to be able to live life in a secure fashion knowing what their eternity looks like or what their tomorrow looks like or, or how life can be lived out because they don't have the Word of God in them. And, and David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He says, I know your word. His word needs to abide in us, and we need to abide in him. We can ask what we will. He said, it'll be done for you. Why? Because we're certain. And that we're to approach his throne boldly with confidence. And the reason we don't do that is we're still guessing and trying to figure out who this God is. Growing up in a very strong denominational church... I had this incredible fear of God. And when I say fear of God, it was not a respect for God. I was afraid God was going to smack me. I was pretty sure that, that based on what I knew about my life, that God surely knew about my life. And if God knew everything I knew, it wasn't pretty. So I'm guessing in my life, I'm thinking, man, maybe I'll get to go to heaven. It was kind of like a heaven or Christian lottery. You know, on a good day, if I die or Jesus were to come back then, you know, I might get there. I lived the guessing game. Guess what? It was like, well, what? I don't know. Help me out. Tell me. And that's what I want this series to be, is trying to help us out to figure out how we can live this life really fully, really happy, knowing that we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that nobody can boast.
Nobody can say, well, I've been good. I served on the church board. I went every time the doors were open. And for years, pastors have uh, convinced people. And listen, I'm not trying to get rid of you. I want you here. I think it's good to come to church. I think the fellowship is good. I think iron sharpens iron. The problem is in a politically correct world, we're polishing one another instead of sharpening one another. And political correctness has killed the church. It's killing our society because it, takes, it removes honesty from the equation. And most of the time, we don't ask the question, what's right, what's true, what's honest? We ask, what can I do to network in such a way that I'm benefited by this conversation? And so rather than having honest, earnest conversations with people, we're living a very surface life, having surface conversations. And as a result, we're not growing because we're not being sharpened. Guess what? That has to change. It doesn't mean that you have to be mean, but how many of you know that sometimes when you tell the truth and you're honest, people perceive it as mean and unkind? And so it's very, very important that you might save someone's life if you told them the truth. If someone was always mean or they didn't have many friends, and how many of you ever had somebody come up to you and say, well, I don't know what's wrong with me, and your mouth is loaded, <laughs> you, I got 10 things I can tell you what's wrong with your business up in here. And, you know, you could go, but you say, well, you know, I don't want to do that. But you know what? If somebody asks you, say, can I just tell you the truth? And there were a couple of times in my life that I can remember the names of the people that said something back to me that absolutely revolutionized my life. And one of those was I was speaking with a, a guy named Ron on ORU's campus and we were both busy. He was the chaplain of the university. I was growing a church. And I made this statement. I said, man, I'd really love to get together, you know, but man, we're so busy. He looked at me and said, no, you wouldn't. And I was startled by that. And he said, because if you really wanted to, you would. And you know what? I realized he was right. And that rather than getting angry with him, I thought, I will never say this again. Or if I do, I will catch myself saying, if I really want to do something, then, then do it. Don't tell somebody, yeah, let's get together. I'd love to get together with you. Within your heart, you have no intention in mind of ever getting together with them. Basically, you're lying to them and you're lying to yourself. And so from that point on, when I say something, when I say we always find the time to do the things we really want to do, that's true. And so, you know, my thought is if you love somebody... You want to be around them. And, you know, to me, I love going to church. I love coming to church. I can't imagine not being in church. It's just foreign to me. And so when I say I really love God, I say I really love God. Now, it doesn't mean you don't love God if you don't come to church. I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. It is very, very important for us to be around people that sharpen us and make our lives better. And guess what? You're not going to get better without a challenge. You're not going to get better Unless you hear truths that cause you to say, I want to go to that level. I want to be the person God's called me to be. I want everything that God has for my life. That requires gathering information. In Proverbs 4, 7, it says, the beginning of wisdom, this is really bizarre in the NIV, the beginning of wisdom is to get wisdom. I read that two or three times this morning. I'm going, this has to be an interjection. But the beginning of wisdom is is to get wisdom, though it costs you all, get understanding. Where are you going and what are you reading and who are you around that is challenging you and elevating your life to new heights? What are you reading? What are you hearing? What are you subjecting your heart and soul to? 
What is causing you to grow? Are you the same right now as you were in January? Or have there been things and moments in 2018 that have caused you to stop in your tracks and go, I need to make some changes? Change is not something we ever want to talk about anymore because we all just want to be applauded for who we are. And quite frankly, I like who I am, but I, don't, I know I can be better. I know I can do better. I know I can be a better person. Not to impress God. But how many of you know when you help other people and you're kind to other people, there's something inside you that just feels better? And so that's how come we say here at Mosaic, we're creating a culture of love, grace, and mercy. That if there's ever anything in this church or in the lobby or in the parking lot that is not uh, making those things happen, I want to hear about it. Now, some of y'all, you're going to be mad because we ran out of toilet paper in one stall and you didn't know it before business started happening. <laughs> so let us apologize. But I'm talking about genuine, authentic relationships that empower us to grow. Now, I did three things here. When I, I said most people spend their life guessing, one thing that we struggle with is I know what I don't know. Now, this is the easiest one. I'll get to it in a moment. The second thing is, I don't know what I don't know. How many of you know there are things you don't know? And you don't know that you don't know them. Until you get in a conversation or you read a book or around somebody, you go, I, I didn't know that I didn't know that. That's interesting thought. And all of a sudden, you and that comes through conversation that comes through reading is if you don't know what you don't know then you need to start reading things that you've never read hopefully every Sunday there's just something said that you didn't know and so many people have a an image of God a picture of God as this mean entity or this graceless deity that that he couldn't possibly love me the way I am. Therefore, he probably won't love me if I become something I'm not. But you don't know because you don't know. The third thing is, I know what I do know. Now, this to me becomes very difficult. I know what I do know. Now, in a moment, I'll get to this. If, if you want to go ahead and just write down in your notes, Romans chapter 7. I know what I do know. And to me, this is one of those things. I'll just start here. I know that I would never be a heart surgeon. I know that I will never be a concert pianist. I know what I do know. And the trouble with knowing what you do know is when you want to be something you're never going to be, but you are unwilling to embrace that which you do know. So the problem is when we keep guessing, well, maybe if I would have done something in my life prior, if you know, I used to play the piano and I quit playing the piano because we were so poor that I couldn't play sports and play music. So my parents make me pick in elementary school. How many of you know elementary school children are not the best at choosing wisely? You know, they can't look at the future and go, you know, I didn't look and say, you know, when I get older, if I don't play college sports, if I'm not good enough, uh, you know, it's over. But I could play the piano the rest of my life. 
I gave up something that I could have done the rest of my life, but I didn't because at that point I, I was a kid. So now I know what I do know that you can't catch up on 20 years of piano lessons in two days. Or in 20 weeks, you can't do it. And so we, we're forced early on to make decisions that we now know have had an effect on our lives. So what do I do with the things I know? Paul said, you know, I don't know why I do what I don't do. I want to do and I want to do what I don't do, but I don't. Paul was all messed up in Romans chapter 7. I do the things that I don't want to do. And I don't do the things I want to do. And he's asking for help and we're confused and we're messed up. And, and we live our lives guessing, I, what, what, what would have happened? What if this would have happened? What if I would have done this? And so it, it's guess what? It's the guessing game. So rather than living life that way, say, I know where I'm at. I know what I have. I know what I'm capable of. And focusing on those things and growing and developing those areas. I wish I could still play the piano the way I used to. I play a little guitar. Not enough. I mean, you would leave the church if I was on the worship team. And so... It's the kind of thing where I can look and go, I know that I know. <laughs> I know what I know. And so rather than trying to be something I'm not, I identify what I know. Because I'm going to take the guessing out of it. And I'm not going to live my whole life wondering what would have happened. Would I be a concert pianist? The, the, the piano teacher told my mother he has an intuitive gift to play music. My older brother was a mechanical musician. He could read music and he could play it fast. I could hear a song, I could sit down, and within minutes I could play it. And, and all of that, that's just how we were. And so I'm thinking to myself, what would my life have been like? I could guess, I could keep guessing. And when you live a guessing life, you will most likely live a miserable life. What if I would have done this? What if I would have done that? What if I'd have been a better father? What if I'd have been a better husband? What if I would have been a better friend? And you live your whole life guessing and wondering what could have been instead of focusing on what can be as a result of the decisions you make today. We can't live our whole lives wondering if we missed it. What would have happened if? It's that guessing game. And the guessing game keeps us miserable. I don't know how many of you used to lay in bed at night as a kid. If you had enough religion in you from America, you were scared to death of going to hell every night. I remember the news coming on at 10 o'clock. I could hear it from my bedroom. And it was, it was horrible news music. You know, like, and I'm sitting there listening to this, and I'm, I'm just scared to death. I grew up scared. Wondering if, because I had gone to a really mean church. It really wasn't mean, but basically they scared the hell out of us every Sunday. And, and I, I would sit and listen to this, and I would just be like, oh, my gosh. And, and, and so you live your whole life in fear, guessing, am I going to heaven? Well, you know, that's probably the number one question coming back to if you talk to someone. And, you know, what we try to do, and I want to get this very clear because as a church that believes salvation is so very, very critical. But the reason most people aren't saved is because they don't know what it takes to be saved. They're living their life guessing, wondering, am I good enough? Have I done enough? Am I enough? Could anybody like me possibly go to heaven? And so as a church, our responsibility is to remove the guess what. To remove that out of people's lives and, and to help them understand this is really not about what you do. It's about what you believe. Most people measure eternity against what they're doing or what they've done. 
instead of measuring it against accepting what Christ did and what he will do in our lives. The Bible simply says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. People cannot grasp that. There's got to be more to it than that. And for years I thought there was. Guess what? That's what it is. And people that you and I know are scared to death of eternity. Every day they get up guessing and wondering what's going to happen. As a church, our responsibility is to love people into a place where they feel the love of God so much that they are able to grasp a truth. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I used to get saved every Sunday. Because between Sunday and Sunday, I did a lot. And so every Sunday, I, boy, they'd have an altar call. You know, I first, I, I saw, I, I got to go up there again because Wednesday, this past Wednesday, I did, I, I did what I did for the last five years of Wednesdays. So I need to get back up there and get it right with Jesus. What I realized was I'd already made it right with Jesus. I was just dealing with horizontal consequences. I already had my vertical ticket. But the consequences horizontally, they still come at you. If you're going 95 in a 25 school zone, you're going to jail. And you know what? Inside of jail, you can still witness to people because you're going to heaven, but you're fixing to pay hell for that ticket. But see, this is what people don't know. So they live their whole life guessing, I did such a bad thing. I did such a horrible thing. And you know, God can't possibly love me. I can't possibly go to heaven. And, and that fear, that guessing, that wondering... Causes us to live a long, miserable life. That's how come David said, I have hidden your word in my heart. When I talk about confessing the Bible and reading the Bible and getting up and just reading it, this is not about impressing God. This is about getting the word of God inside us to impress us. To impress upon us the truths that are in here. Not the religious fairy tales that you've heard throughout life. I don't know how many of you grew up in a church that was not that intelligent. I did. You know, to get kids to get clean, baby boomers, we, our parents were baby builders, that's what they were called. To get us to bathe, they said, cleanliness is next to godliness. It's not in the scripture. But we were kids. What do we know? Dad, gum, I'm taking a shower then. I'm going to be in the bathtub all day. I'm going to stay clean so I can stay close to God. Then I grew up, my mama lied to me. That ain't in the Bible. She just wanted me to take a bath. So you, then you start guessing what else isn't true. And then I found out there wasn't a Santa Claus. I'd burst my bubble totally. If there's no Santa Claus, is there really a Jesus? Because you told me he was there too. So we, we, get, we, we live our whole lives guessing because we weren't told. And you say, but, but it was with a good heart. I don't give a flip what it was with. It ain't true. <laughs> and so people, I was talking to Donald. I don't know if Donald, he's, he's around here somewhere. But I was talking to him Wednesday night. We were here at church and... He said, you know the number one reason people don't go to church? Because they've been to church before. 
And what he's really saying is somebody didn't tell the truth with a lot of love in their heart. You know, when I, when I heard God loves you, that sounds really good, but I didn't understand it. I still guessed. I know what I don't know. And that is that I don't know everything. But every day I learn something. So, well, you know, only the righteous are going to heaven. I heard this word righteous. Then there was a group back in my era called the Righteous Brothers. And I thought, well, maybe I need to talk to the brothers. Because <laughs> I want to be righteous too. And those are the Righteous Brothers. I didn't know the scripture said that a person was the righteousness of God in Christ. So all I had to do to be a righteous brother was be in Christ. Because Isaiah said our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so I used to hear that from religious people. In other words, we're worthless, we're the scum of the earth. But when Christ came and died on the cross and rose from the dead, now all of a sudden... Our righteousness is, is as filthy rags, but once we accept Christ, His righteousness now indwells us, and we are the righteousness of God through Christ. So now we have right standing with God because of our acceptance of Christ, not because of our works. I didn't know that. And so as a result of that, the guessing... Not only puts us in fear, but guessing also, also causes us to be indecisive. Indecisive. And indecision, the Bible says that, that, that a, a double-minded man, which means there's indecision, is unstable in all his ways. Well, guess why there's instability? Because there's a lack of knowledge. When you lack knowledge, you lack information, and you lack wisdom, there will always be indecision, which means there will always be instability. The goal in life is for there to be, let your yes be yes and your no be no. The only way you can say absolutely yes to something is to have knowledge of that something that you're questioning or you're guessing about. You know, there's never been a time... Since I came to understand what I'm sharing with you today, that I questioned where I would spend eternity. Not a question. On my worst day, I knew that I was going to heaven. Now, on my worst day, I also knew that I would suffer the consequences of a horizontal earthly decision. But I never wavered in my faith when it came to Jesus Christ. Why? Because I was bought with a price that he became my heavenly father. He was my creator always. But he goes from being your creator to being your father when you make his son the Lord of your life. So what's the difference in two people? One's lost, one's not. One knows a creator. They had a creator. But the other one knows that that creator became a father in a moment of confession. And how many of you know when he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you? He will never leave you when you come into him. But until you come to him, you've never come to him. He didn't leave you. You left him. 
So when you come into Christ, you become the righteousness of God in him. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you always. What do you think that word means in the Greek? It means always. Not part-time. He's not a part-time God. He's not a fickle God. I don't care how bad my children were. They're my children. And you never stop loving them. Now, they can walk away from you. They can leave you. But let me tell you, there's not a father or a mother that they ever depart from their heart. And we're evil, according to the Bible. I've heard so many times, well, I think we'll go to church. What kind of statement is that? Nobody gets up on Monday and says, well, I think I'll go to work. <laughs> you know you're going to work. Why? Because you're going to get fired if you don't. Why is it that we're so indecisive when it comes to our liberty? You're going to work. You're going to get paid. But when you have an opportunity to rightfully surrender your life to information that's going to change your life, all of a sudden you get maybe on me. I might. It could happen. It's possible. We've got all these tentative comebacks and, and, and responses to people because we are indecisive. Some years ago, and this will sound tacky as a preacher, but it, it just is what it is. I, I realized that there were people who wanted to get close to me, not because they liked me or wanted to know me, but because I was on stage. It's just a common thing in mankind. And, and so I knew there would be people that, that would want to go eat or get together. And I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going to disappoint you. You know, if I drink too much too quick of Coca-Cola, I'm going to burp. And that would just burst your little bubble of your pastor. And I'll never forget, I would stand at the front door and greet people as they would leave. And every Sunday there would be thousands and thousands of people. So, I, I mean, I couldn't even get with my family, much less everybody in the church. But this precious couple would come up every Sunday. And they were so sweet. And they were so kind. And they, they, they kept, I could tell they wanted to get together. And, and, and she asked this question. And this is where it comes back to truth and honesty. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to be truthful. They may leave the church, but I knew what she was going to say again. She finally said, what could my husband and I do to get to know you better? I looked back at her and I said, absolutely nothing. She looked at me and I said, show up every Sunday. This is as well as you're ever going to know me. Well, you know, the, the response would be, we'll get together sometime. When in my heart, knowing that was never going to happen. That's wrong. I would rather tell the truth and lose someone than to lie somebody and keep them. I don't remember if they ever came back. I don't think I saw them at the door after that. <sighs> but you know what? Here's what I'm saying. It would have been the guessing game. Well, I'm guessing maybe that it'll happen. What I'm saying to us today is we got to remove the guess what's from our life. And let me just tell you right now, it will make you closer to some people, and it will separate you from other people. But I realized some years ago, and this is where I, I, I think it's so very, very important, is that we're, we're honest and we're truthful. 
and that we do it with politeness. And I would do planning every year, and I would go down the list of, of things I wanted to see happen every year. And when I came to this topic called friends, sometimes people say, well, I'd like to make new friends or more friends, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people have a friend capacity that's greater than others. I know what my friend capacity is, and I don't think I'm as good a friend as I can be to the friends I have. So why in the world would I want more friends if I'm not as good a friend as I could be to my friends? It's important to know what God says, what His Word says, what's happening in us, so that we can be truthful and honest first with ourselves, and that we can, as a result of that, be truthful and honest with other people. We need to know what the Bible says. You know, there's all, there are all kinds of questions. What does it take to go to heaven? Am I good enough? What's the Bible say about forgiveness? What's it say about healing? What's it say about miracles? All of these things are very, very important for us to understand. I think the most important thing is that we trust God. I do believe in miracles today. I do believe in healing. The Bible says that believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You know what? That may make you uncomfortable to think that God would use somebody to lay hands on you. And that through their prayers, because it's what Jesus did. And the question is, does God still do today what he did years ago? Well, the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whatever he did thousands of years ago... He will do today. And the big question is, in a lot of people's minds, who is God? What's he like? Well, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's the God we serve. I can't explain all the disaster in the world and all the difficulties in the world and all the meanness and all the anger. But here's one thing I can promise you. That you'll never fear the day of your death as long as you know where you're going when you die. And it's terrible, horrific things happening in our world. And, and yet, uh, a lot of people are fighting a horizontal battle and not trusting God. We must trust the Lord. And I'll close with this. There was a man who, some years ago, uh, there was a huge company that you would all be know in Houston. And uh, this man was highly qualified to be a part of this corporation. But he had worked for another company for 30 years. He, is, he was vested, retirement, everything was set. But this huge company was one of the most rapid, the fastest growing companies in the U.S. Very popular, very well known. And uh, he had heard about a job opening. He thought he would put his name in there and uh, he, would, he would pursue it. So he went, flew to Houston and, and uh, he went to one of my friend's churches there. And, and he went up to my friend and he said, would you pray for me? I'm about to interview at this company tomorrow, and he said, it's a really well-paying job. I'm going to make 10 times more than I would make. Now, granted, I would give up a lot of the things I've had over 30 years, but it, it would help me right now. It would be huge. And so they prayed, and, and uh, he went to the interview, and it went really well, so well that they called him back for another interview. Well, when he came back to Houston, they, uh, he went to the, my pastor friend again. He said, would you pray for me? He said, you know, this is my second interview. It's looking really good, and I, I think I'm going to get the job. Well, so they prayed, and he went, and uh, he's, of course, guessing in his heart, thinking in his heart, this is going to happen for me. 
And so he went to the second interview, and after the interview, they looked at him. They said, you are so qualified, and you would be everything that we, we were looking for. He said, but we've decided to give the job to another man. And so he, he was kind of hurt, and he flew home and, and uh, kind of wondering what happened. Well, some of you may recall that corporation went belly up. All the employees lost everything and their retirement and everything. And this man, because he pursued God and he said, I'm not going to live a life of just guessing and thinking that this is what ought to happen. I'm going to submit and surrender to God and I'm going to let God direct my steps. How many of you know that man's thankful that he didn't get that job? See, the Bible says that the footsteps of the righteous and we are the righteousness of God in Christ, the footsteps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. We can assume, we can guess, we can think. But let me tell you, there's one question I ask people now when they tell me they're going to do something. I ask this question, did God tell you to do it? Because if God didn't tell you, you are operating under the premise of emotion and feelings. I did not want to come back here. I'm just going to be honest with you. I was living on the beach. I thought, I finally got my dream. And when God spoke to me January 3rd, very clearly, as audible as God could ever speak to me, one of the top three or five times in my life to come back to Oklahoma City and start a church, I didn't feel it. But I did hear it. And we argue with what we know and we argue with what we hear because it challenges who we are. I challenge you, don't live a life of guessing. People get up every Sunday. I get up and pray, God, bring the people to Mosaic that you've called here. God, there have been people that you've told to come that have yet to come, and their life is miserable. Not because of Mosaic, but because of a lack of obedience. My life would be miserable today if I wasn't here. Now, quite frankly, sometimes it's still miserable when it gets this cold and it snows. I hate it. But I know that disobedience to God brings misery to man. We don't always understand why God calls us to do something. We don't always understand and we guess and we think we know or we try to figure it out or we manipulate what we think we know or what we hear to satisfy our own craving to be content. But the reality is sometimes the things that God has us, to do, has us do, we have to find contentment in the midst of that challenge. So there are people right now that know they're supposed to be at Mosaic. And I'm not mad. I'm just telling you, people are supposed to be here that aren't here. And you need to start praying for them because it ain't going to get better until they get here. It wasn't going to get better for me until I got here. You know, and then I have a friend like Rick Ratliff who told me I was coming back before I was. And he'll tell you I didn't like him very much. You're going to come back here and we're going to start a church. And we're going to do I'm like, no, we're not, Rick. I don't know what you're on, but you need to get off. Then I have to admit he was right. See, sometimes even good friends will tell you the truth even though they know that you don't want to hear it. That's called a friend. A friend's not someone who always agrees with you. A friend's someone who will oftentimes challenge you to get you into the place God's called you to be. I challenge you to step into the place of God. There are those of you here, and this is, this is just, I'm just telling you right now, my wife will tell you, she said, what's wrong with you today? I said, man, I don't know what I'm going to preach. i got three sermons. It's a worse, isn't it, Jesse? When, when, when you got three sermons and you're like, God, would you please tell me? And God says, not going to until you get up. 
conflicted. And some of you are in a place today where you're supposed to be serving and you're not serving. And you know what? Here's what happens. When you are supposed to be doing something that you're not doing, here's what happens. You begin to blame it on other people. You find fault in others because we never want to find fault in ourselves. And if I am conflicted, rather than looking around trying to find someone to blame, I look within and say, God, what are you doing and why am I not doing it? I challenge you to quit just living a life randomly guessing and wondering and looking and searching. Get to knowing. The Bible says those who know their God shall do exploits. And those who know the will of God will do those exploits. Step up. Step into your place. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, today there are those watching online and there are those here that have been challenged and miserable and conflicted and wondering what to do, where to go, what's going to happen, concerned, living in fear, worrying. God, I pray today that they would be free from that and that we would all walk in trust and faith. And we trust you with all of our hearts. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Today, I want to pray for those of you that would say, Mark, I'm uncertain about my eternity. I don't want you to be uncertain about your eternity. And this is, I don't want you to do what I'm about to ask you to do just so that you can go, well, I'm not sure. I want you to absolutely know this. If you've called on the name of the Lord, you are saved and you are going to heaven. That's what the Bible says. That is a truth, a fact. But there may be those of you in this place and watching online that you have not called on the name of the Lord. And you have not repented of your sin. And today you need to do that. Listen, there is no healing without confession and repentance. Matter of fact, it says confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. The problem with our society today is no one wants to repent and confess because they think it makes them look weak. Confession and repentance makes you look strong. Because you are willing to admit the shortcomings in your life. And to confess, I need help. That's where all help begins, is by declaring, I need help. And we all need help. But maybe you need help today with someone to pray with you and say, Today, you begin your journey to heaven. No more questions. If that's you right now, you say, man, I need to be sure. Just lift your hand up right where you're at right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. Pray for me. Anyone in here watching online? want to pray for you. want to believe God with you. Okay. Let's all pray this prayer together. And those of you watching online, evidently there are some of you out there. Pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I repent of my sin. And I confess with my mouth, you are now the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Amen.